First of all, uh, it's always good to be back at uh, Lord of Life. You know, having spent 13 years here, it's a very important part of my life, uh, as it was for my wife's as well. Uh, while I'm doing thank yous, I want to thank my wife's family for deciding to host a family reunion in Bloomington yesterday, which fit in very well to Matt's invitation following the last time I was here. He said, you need to come back again. And I thought, oh, rats, now i got to go to the reunion but I get to preach again at Lord of Life. It's always good to be back here. Studying Mark 11 has been kind of interesting for me. I, you know, when it talks about, you know, what we can do in our busy lives and what we can learn from Jesus, who obviously was busy. And I, I kind of wrestled around with that because I, I really never pictured Jesus as being busy. It, they, I, wrote, I wrote something down on a piece of paper one day, and I said, there's a big difference between busy, being busy with your kids or your jobs or your hobbies and being about the Father's business. Now, I, I think Jesus was very busy, but he was extremely focused, and you and I are sometimes completely out of focus. I mean, Jesus, starting from, you know, in the temple... Didn't you know I need to be about my father's business? And all the way, I mean, even scripture where it says, he set his face towards Jerusalem and he marched resolutely all the way to the end when he said, it is finished. So what do we do in our busy lives? Well, I'm going to suggest something today, and that's maybe we should do what Jesus did rather than us just say, Lord, if you can or if you could, maybe what we need to do is learn how to pray mountain moving Prayers, And so that part of the text I'm going to choose today is that part that says, uh, very simply, uh, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Now, when you start with a text like that, you, there's obvious questions that comes across the pastor's mind. And as I study these words, The thought that came to me is, can we really take Jesus seriously with this? I mean, come on, Jesus, what are you saying? Come on, mountain, get up and go fly off into the Mediterranean. Now, I'm 72 years old, and I have never, ever seen a mountain get lifted up and thrown into an ocean. Has anybody ever seen a mountain get tossed into the ocean? No, it just just plain simple doesn't happen. Now, I've been in many places here in the States, and I have preached in any number of places around this world, but in all my life... Not one single mountain thrown into the sea, a pond, or the Fox River, or anything like that. And see, that's precisely our problem with this text. I mean, Jesus invites us to summon the faith, to talk to a mountain, and command it to be gone. Now, not only have I never seen a mountain get tossed in the sea, I've never even seen or heard anybody talk to a mountain. Perhaps because the people who've been talking to mountains are locked up somewhere, but I just I've never even thought about it. But there's that verse in black and white in front of us. So what are we to make of this text? Now I'm sure our first inclination is the inclination of many people who've heard this. Well, Jesus was um, he was kidding. He was just kind of joking. He didn't really mean what he had to say. In fact, as I was searching the internet. Oh, this has been oh, two or three, four years ago already. I came across a website called infidels.org. Now, infidels.org is a, a site run by some hardcore, hardcore atheists and agnostics who are fervent unbelievers in the Christian faith. 
And they have one page that's called Bible Absurdities. And one of those passages they list with a star almost is Mark 11.23, our text for the day. And it's cited as something so absurd, so crazy, that no sane person could possibly take that verse seriously. But then right after I got to that, I read an interesting story about a church in Tennessee. And I love church stories. And this is a true story about a, a, a church in Tennessee decided to build their new church. And they built this church, and they brought the building inspector out a week before they were going to open, but they could not pass the inspector's test because there was not enough land to put parking around their big church. All the land they had was kind of down a little valley, and there was this big hill that they called the church's mountain. And so what the pastor did was invite his 300 members to come back on Sunday night to pray that somehow God would take care of this we don't have a parking lot mountain and pray. Well, you know how many people showed up that night. 24. Now, 24 people came and prayed that God would somehow move this mountain of a problem. The next morning, there's a knock on the pastor's door and there's a building contractor outside who said they're going to be building a new mall in a neighboring county. And he wanted to know whether they could buy that hill, that mountain out there. And if he could, he would take all of that dirt and he would pave across that valley and he would actually pave a brand new parking lot, blacktop it and stripe it. Well, guess what? That Sunday, there were a whole lot more people interested in praying mountain-moving prayers. Well, I want to start this morning with the simple command. The simple command is this. Have faith in God. Only four little words, but revolutionary words. Have faith in God. A number of years ago, while down in Angola, and by the way, I've been there for now 17 years, as some inmates say, no, Doc, he's just like furniture. He's just always around. One of the inmate pastors... Uh, did a 45-minute sermon on only two words, God is. And in his own rather unforgettable style, you know, a, a black Baptist, almost kind of Pentecostal in nature pastor, pressed home his point that said everything in the universe flows from those two words, God is. He said, you figure this out and you're going to have a handle on all of life. He said, deny this and nothing in this world is ever going to make sense to you. And then he said this, I wrote it down. I've hung on to this. He said, either God is or he isn't. And if he is, that changes everything. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how big is your God? Do you have a God that, well, this would be a pretty big prayer request. I don't want to bother God with this. Or do you have a real, you know, kind of a weenie little God where, oh, this isn't important enough to bother him. I can handle this myself. Either God is or God isn't, friends. And if he is, that's got to change everything about your prayer life. See, the voice from the burning bush said, I am. And when they said, who do you mean I am? He said, well, I am that I am. That's who I am. And you know one of the most fundamental things about God when you know that he is, I am. Psalm 81 says, open your mouth and I will fill it. I offered that advice to Pastor Matt for next Sunday's sermon. Go to your office and say, I read Psalm 81, heard the pastor preach about it, Lord. <laughs> fill me. But don't you kind of do that anyway when you do your sermon? You got your text. Lord, fill me with what I need 
in this message. But do we pray those kind of prayers? Now, three weeks ago, I was at Angola Prison for a week teaching from the book of Acts. And uh, we were praying after a class one day. And one of the inmates, when it came to his time to prayer, said this. Lord, teach us to pray big prayers. So much of what we pray is just details or nonsense. Now, I found that kind of challenging. I find it kind of humorous. But it's very helpful. Now, it's not that details don't make any difference. But sometimes our prayers suffer because we kind of pray, I don't know, weak prayers. Uh, we kind of act as if God isn't big enough to handle this or, or that he's too busy to handle our prayers. But there's that command. Have faith in God. God is or he isn't. And if he is, guess what? He's everything. So let's think about the example that he shares. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he says will happen, it shall be done for him. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Throwing a mountain into the ocean seems like a pretty big deal. Uh, to deal with this difficulty, uh, some people have supposed that Jesus was speaking in hyperbole. He was kind of using an absurd statement to point something out. But I believe that Jesus was either standing on the Mount of Olives with his disciples or perhaps pointing to the Mount of Olives or maybe somewhere else and pointing to some other mountain that they had been on. And he said, you know, if you have faith enough and you ask this, even that mountain is possible of being tossed into the Mediterranean. Now, for a disciple to cast a mountain into the sea, two conditions must be met. Both of them seem somewhat strange to us as human beings. One of them, you must talk to the mountain. The second thing is, you must not doubt in your heart. That's what the text says. So I ask you this question. What's the hardest part about tossing a mountain into the sea? Now, most of you would probably say, well, obviously it's having faith. Or it's not doubting in your heart. And the truth is, both of those are really difficult to do, but I would suggest there's something even more difficult, and that is to start by talking to the mountain. I have a friend who said, when they found out that they had cancer, literally began praying, Cancer, I am speaking to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all diseases, I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus. That's the way they spoke to that mountain called cancer. They named it. When I first started my pastoral ministry back at Emmanuel Lutheran in Belvedere, not very far from here, uh, I found a book written by Elmer Towns, and it was called Say It Faith. And he said great leaders galvanize their followers by actually saying something out loud, saying this is what God is doing. And it came to mind again because some of you have been around here a long time, may remember us always saying that we are a disciple-making church with a heart for the lost. Some of you remember that. Bob Fredericks, I'm going to call you out this morning because when we were here, you said as we move into the new church, they used the old church, you said, could we come up with a different blessing at the end where we could participate? And so suddenly we started at the end of the service all standing and joining hands and we would say, we are Lord of Life Church and we desire to do God's work, God's way with God's supply. And we'd raise our hands and we'd shout, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We were saying to the mountain, 
We were saying out loud what we believe. It was always in front of us. Where's Jim Croggy? I'm sorry, Jim, Mr. Cub. But I had to I I, I had to use this illustration. It's like Babe Ruth uh, pointing and calling his shot before he hit that probably mammoth legendary home run at Wrigley Field. Uh, By the way, I have that that poster in my man cave back in Branson, Missouri. I found it in a shop here in St. Charles and I went in and I asked how much it was. The guy sold it to me for five dollars. It's autographed. It says, Babe did this. I was, it says, Barry, comma, I, it, this happened. I was there, signed Lefty Gomez. And the guy sold it to me for $5. See, God does move mountains, doesn't he? But just before he did it, he actually said what he was going to do. When you speak to the mountain of possibility. Or as Philip Yancey, who's written so many books on prayer, said, Faith is believing in advance something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. See, sometimes and often God calls us to believe stuff that just plain simple isn't humanly possible. I mean, how many people prayed for 108 years that the Cubs would actually win? You know, that, that, that's not logical, particularly not after about 20 years. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. There, there are two people in this world I pray for continually. One of them has been Jim Croggy, and the other guy is Ken Imlaw down in Trinity Bloomington, who have been diehard cup people who just desperately want to see this happen in their lifetime and see God finally, finally picked up the mountain and tossed it into Lake Michigan. Now, friends, we all have mountains of difficulty in our lives. I don't know what your mountain is. Some of them are big tasks that are laid before you. Some of them, you go, I just have no personal strength whatsoever to take care of this. I mean, sometimes your mountain is a broken relationship. Sometimes your mountain is a, is a child that just, you, know, you just don't know what to do with them anymore. Uh, it may be some issue, a health issue, or a loved one who's passed away. But whatever your mountain is, speak to that mountain and pray God into that situation. Let's look at an application here. Uh, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, this has three different parts to it. It's got uh, it's comprehensive. You notice that verse says whatever you ask for. What does that include? Whatever. It is also conditional. Believe that you have already received it. It is also definite. It will be yours. And if you want a little English lesson, notice the change of tenses in that Bible verse. There's the present tense. Whatever you ask for. I mean, like right now, whatever you ask for. And in the past, it says you have received it. And then there is the future. It will be yours. Now, as somebody said, what? (laughs) We are to pray in the presence with the assurance that God has already granted our request, even though the answer will not come until the future. I mean, what's up with that? Well, what is up with that? Well, sometimes in the Greek, and Pastor Matt learned this at the seminary, writers of the Bible use what's called a proleptic aorist. You don't need to remember that. Uh, But Romans 8.30 is a Bible passage where it says that the children of God, those he also glorified. And, And what's interesting, there's a past tense in that Bible verse. He says, Believers have already been glorified in heaven. 
But it's in the future for us who are still living, but it's already guaranteed into the future. And while we kind of live in the interim, aiming for that time. See, sometimes when we pray, there's, there's a specific blessing we know that we can pray for and God grants it. Other times we pray not knowing what God will really do. But And I do need to tell you that not every request that you're going to pray and use verse 24 as your proof is probably going to be a valid prayer. I mean, I, I was praying between services that there'd be a new uh, Porsche out in the parking lot with $12 million. And when I left church this morning, it wasn't out there. I seriously doubt that it will be. That's a foolish prayer. And we need to avoid those things. But to remember that Jesus is God. And is, and is he God? I mean, God is. He's the king of kings. He governs the universe. And sometimes when we pray, he gives us faith to believe some pretty amazing things. Pretty amazing things. In light of Jesus' teaching, we should draw some applications. And some of the applications that we, we, we might want to draw are to pray for something definite. I don't know if a lot of you pray prayers that go this way. Lord, bless so-and-so, bless this. You sit down at lunch and say, Lord, bless our food, bless our time, uh, bless mama and daddy, bless every, bless, 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 bless. Well, I, I'm not saying that prayer is wrong. I mean, don't walk away and say, oh my gosh, he just told us we told pray dumb prayers. No, I didn't tell you that. But what I'm telling you is, why not make those prayer requests a little bit more specific? Rather than me going home and sitting down or maybe driving back to Bloomington today, said, Lord, uh, please continue to bless Pastor Matt. Now, I hope God blesses Pastor Matt, but why not make that a more specific prayer? Bless Pastor Matt as he leads this congregation. Give him a spirit of integrity. Pour out your Holy Spirit in him and fill him to overflowing. So every week when he gets up here, it just washes over everybody. Lord, bless him and his family and give him that strength of a father who's got two and a half kids. You know, and I said this morning, you got a four, two and a one in the oven. Just wait till they're 15, 13, and 11. Then you'll know that you really need to be blessed. And at that time, we need to pray some more specific prayers for you and your wife. Now, you also want to earnestly desire it. I mean, why would you pray for something if you really don't want it? Pray the desires of your heart. And don't question God's ability. I mean, either God is or he isn't. All I can tell you is my God's an awful big God. Persevere in prayer. I I told this story at the early service. When I was back in my days of teaching and coaching at Valley, we belonged to St. John's in Elgin. And as part of a Bible study there, and uh, I asked this question, what's the longest you've ever prayed for any one thing in your life? And a lady raised her hand and she said, 30 years. I said, really? What did you pray for for 30 years? She said, well, I just prayed that my husband would come to church one time. She said, and every Saturday night I say, Jim, going to church in the morning, you want to go with me? And for 30 years he said, no, no thanks. Well, I leave Valley and I go off to the seminary and I come back to St. John's where I am being ordained into the ministry. And I go to the pulpit to preach today, and I look out. Who do I see sitting about four rows back but Jim? And I catch him at the door, and I I said, what happened? She said, well, you know, for 30-some years, but about a year ago, I said, going to church in the morning, 
You want to go with? And he went, sure, why not? And he was baptized. And now he's been here with me every week. I mean, he, she was praying for something definite, wasn't she? She earnestly desired this is one time, and God fooled her and put a partner with her for the rest of her life. I don't think she ever questioned God's ability to do that. And she persevered in prayers for 30-some years. Now, I, it says, adds works to your faith. I don't, I don't say you're going to work your way into heaven, but just say, sometimes God says, in the interim, is there something you could be doing? Don't just stand there. Think about it. Maybe you should do something. For example, in West Texas a number of years ago, a big drought, and uh, people were praying for rain. You guys don't need it here anymore. Uh, but when they gathered together to pray for rain in church, bright, cloudless day, one of the members, Sister Mary, showed up with a, an umbrella. And the pastor jokingly said, we're praying for, you know, why an umbrella? And she said, uh, well, we're here to pray for rain. And he kind of laughed since it was so bright and sunny out. But as they were praying, the winds rose and the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and a torrent of rain came down and Sister Mary walked to her car dry. And the congregation went home wet. Friends, we pray that not only that God may hear us, but that he does hear us. That he will give us what we ask if it is best for us. Because every time we pray, we are praying according to his will. God does move mountains. One last little story. Many of you remember Wally Brath. Wally, uh, former music worship leader here. Some of you will also recall that Wally and I were invited to be uh, worship leaders and teachers at the triannual gathering of all of the Wycliffe Bible translators in Southeast Asia, meeting in Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. Well, when we were there, we, we didn't know much about Wycliffe Bible translators, but while we were there, we heard this wonderful story about Cameron Townsend, who was the founder of Wycliffe Bible translators, and we found out how that started. As a young man, he went to Central America to preach the gospel to unreached people, but was meeting resistance because, as one man said, if your God is so great, why doesn't he talk to us in our own language? And that kind of stunned him, and he said, my gosh, we got to get the language to everybody. And so even today, I mean, the full Bible is available through Wycliffe Bible Translators to 636 different languages. Uh, 1,400, nearly 1,500 languages just to get the New Testament. So here was a guy that was faced with a mountain and said, Lord, (laughs) this mountain, which is people can't understand you in their language, we need to do something about this. So when you hear that, you realize that you're seeing a mountain being thrown into a sea. It's not dirt and rocks. It's just it's something even greater, the mountain of impossibility. Well, let me wrap up with just a, a, a... a simple application. I guess they're all up there. Um, I think you all know these things. You know, sometimes God answers your prayers exactly as you prayed. You've married for a while and you prayed that God would bless you with a child. And you get a child. You're praying that God would bring a godly person into your life. And lo and behold, God brings a godly person in. It happens just what you were praying for. Sometimes his answers come back in a completely different fashion. It's because sometimes the answers are delayed, like Mrs. Martin, who prayed for 30-some years for her husband. Sometimes they're delayed for reasons we just plain simple can't understand. 
Sometimes God actually gives us something better than we prayed for. Gives us twins. <laughs> or triplets. Or quadruplets. Or he not only brings you brings a godly person into your life, but brings her entire godly family along with her. I mean, God does some amazing things. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes he gives us just the grace to bear what we ask might be removed from our lives, but it just doesn't go away. Yet in all of this, God answers prayer. I always think it's yes, no, maybe, let's make a deal. Uh, But God is always there, always answers believing prayer. And the only limit on our prayers being answered is the sovereignty of God and what God wills for our lives. I remember a person coming to see me here at Lord of Life a number of years ago to tell me a problem they were having and how they'd been working on this problem for a long time. And I said, have you prayed about this? And the guy looked me in the eye and he says, Pastor, has it come to that? <laughs> well, those of you who know me well enough, I said, hey, buddy, it should have started with that. If you would have started with that, we wouldn't be sitting here in my office and having you ask me a dumb question like that. Yeah, it's come to that. It's come to that. You know, and prayer is not a burden. It's not a last minute thing. It's a first time have at it kind of prayer. You know, with the Lord, begin thy task, Jesus will direct us. For his aid and counsel, ask, Jesus will perfect it. Man, I can't believe I just quoted a song from the Lutheran hymnal. Wow, that's what happens when you get old. You start remembering weird stuff. And why bother praying if you don't really believe? Pray with confidence. Speak to the mountain. Expect that God will answer your prayers because nothing is too big for God is. So, friends, how do you live out your busy life? I actually thought about doing the sermon this way. I got to tell you the little front story. I preached at a Redeemer in Springfield, Missouri, a couple of weeks ago, and my topic was, and I said, you can see on the screen today's message is, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Yes, amen. And I went and I sat down. I thought about starting today. What can we learn from Jesus, who is busy, to help us in our busy lives? He prayed a lot. Mountain-moving ones. Amen. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. Stand back and watch what God will do. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'd be the first to admit that sometimes I've prayed some pretty weak prayers. They hardly included you at all. Or if they did, it was kind of like, Lord, if you do this, I'll follow you. But so many times you've whispered back, not so gently, follow me and I'll show you what I can do instead. Teach us to pray to the mountains. Teach us to pray prayers of faith. And Lord, may we then just stand back and rejoice when we see what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.
rejoice and be glad.